Okay, welcome to a somewhat delayed, um, I suppose, Dear All USA podcast. We have been recording these things roughly once a week, but last weekend was Easter and we were all busy with stuff. So um, here we are again. This is part three of Sid and Zach and, and Alan trying to keep order um, possibly between everybody here. Um, you know, it's, it's our usual Virial USA train wreck. We love it. So I'm sitting here on a, on our, um, on our deck. It's a, it's a lovely day in California for once. It's been, it's been nice. What is, what is it like where you guys are? Uh, it was raining this morning, but it's pretty out here now. Good. It's, it's pretty cold. We've had a cold front and a lot of rain the past any number of days. So I think, I think it is cloudy like everything seems to be in the world right now. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good metaphor. I realize I'm sitting here saying, yeah, it's really nice. And I'm looking and I'm like, yeah, there are clouds all around. I mean, I can't see. There's actually not any blue sky, but the fact that it's 60 degrees and I'm sitting outside makes me feel good. So, um, we wanted to talk about a couple of things, but I guess let's let's start with the whole question of what we think might happen with La Liga. Um, I guess the Spanish Prime Minister just announced that he's going to lock um, he's going to ask Parliament to extend the lockdown to May 9th, but it's going to be um, he says that he wants to relax. Restrictions on children who will be allowed out of their homes after April 27th. Um, also in the news the last week, there's been a lot of, um, Senior Roy had a proposal for completing the season, um, by playing every 48 hours and allowing more substitutes than usual. And then there's been the whole question of, you know, playing behind closed doors. What do you do? So what do we, do we have any Clearer insight into any of this? Um, Zach, I'll let you go first. Um, so I was listening to a podcast this morning, and I believe it was the Totally Football Show. I, I'm not sure because I was in the middle of a run, and I was only thinking but so clearly um, because I hate running. But uh, the they were saying that UEFA has stated that in order – to field teams in European competition next season, leagues have to complete their leagues from this year, which I think would uh, scrap all these leagues that are talking about uh, trying to just take the table as is and roll with it, mm. um, which I think is a good thing. Um, I, I, I do like, think like that – Like Belgium already did, right? Oh, did yeah, that – yeah, well, that's right, because they have those convoluted playoffs to get the results for UEFA anyway. Right. So I, I think that we will end up finishing it, and I do think it will be some sort of playing every 48 to 72 hours type thing. Um, I, I I really worry about player safety in doing that, which is why I like Senor Roy's suggestion of having five substitutes in a match. I think that's good. Um, but I, um, I do think they're going to get it done. I think there's too much money involved to not get it done, especially if UEFA is applying pressure. Um, so we'll end up sometime, probably I would think 
around uh, August or early September, concluding this season, having some sort of break, then maybe, you know, the beginning of 2021 starting next season. Sid? Yeah, and I think this is unrelated, but I think it's worth worth noting and sort of what we think um, the various impacts will be. I think the news out of Mexico is also very interesting. So Mexico has, because uh, at least what was reported, was serious financial concerns in the second division. Mm. They have now scrapped ProRel for five years. Oh, my God. Wow. And all of the first team, first division teams are putting in a pot of money to fund the second division. And I think they are turning, I think they are doing away with the concept of having filiales play in the second division. And they're instead going to have a reserve team league, say, in England. Okay. So they're propping up a second division, sort of creating a a youth team setup for the teams in the first division, and no pro rel for five years. So interesting. Obviously, the U.S. has always been an outlier. Obviously, the U.S. has always been an outlier. Yeah. Pro rel. But now it'll be interesting to see Mexico doing something similar. Um. So, anyways, somewhat of an aside, but but an interesting question, I suppose, to ask about, you know, the Segunda, Segunda B. Um, are some of those clubs just no longer going to be financially viable? Say, if we do start a season in three months, are there going to be teams that are just administratively relegated that don't, re, you know, return to the competition? I think there are just so many questions we don't know the answers to at this point. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thought because I mean, at least in in I don't know what it's like in Mexico, but at least in Spain, you do have a little bit of the TV money that funnels down to the Segunda clubs. But boy, I, once you get down to the third third and fourth levels, I don't know. I mean, I. I have no idea what the finances of those teams are like, and I'm sure they vary a lot depending on whether they're teams that have been <laughs> big once before and and are still would like to be or not. But there have been some discussion that maybe they would just take the Segunda and Segunda B tables at at this point of the season, um, and and uh, and roll with that for and have some sort of playoffs for, for promotion but and, and relegation obviously from the from the Primera but I don't know yeah, yeah I don't know if that well, makes a lot of sense and I think there was even some discussion of saying we're not going to relegate teams yeah well, right we're just going to yeah. make make it bigger next year yeah yeah so okay yeah. except <laughs> you you know you're setting up a situation where you're creating more defaults in the chain um, by by doing that in some way. I was going to say, though, I think the thing that happens, you know, the Segunda has this YouTube deal or whatever it is. So not that I can say they probably had many international TV contracts of any sort, but, you know, I think the YouTube deal means, I think, you know, BN shows a game sometimes um, on international weeks, but that seems to be the extent of it. Um, but yeah. 
I was going to say gate revenues, though, are the biggest driver for even those teams, like your Rossing Santanderes and things that, you know, didn't completely collapse when they went down. A lot of that had to have been gate-based. And are fans going to come back in the same way? Well, and are fans going to come back? I mean, that's the other question is that the the um, everything I've seen talking about social distancing and everything says that, I mean, even once we, it's not going to be flip a switch and lockdown is over and we suddenly go back to the way we were. So how do you function if you're a team that, um, you know, you're told that you can have no more than 500 people at a match or something? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So interesting, in fact, that Villarreal is actually in some ways well set up because we're so unreliant on gate revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the Primera teams mostly are, but we certainly are because we've, that's all. Been our yeah. I think we might, I think we might, other than a bar have the lowest gate numbers though, in terms of revenue generated as a percentage or otherwise. So, right. right. Um, but anyways, getting back to your broader question, definitely you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have been more pessimistic. Um, I, I still, from a player safety um, consideration, and, you know, I also question how effectively the authorities are going to be able to enforce things like limiting the number of spectators. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to want to come out. People are going to want to come to these events things that they may well have already paid for and then to say, Oh, you can't come, you know, or it's the first 5,000 in line or it's a random drawing or whatever it is will, will be, will be interesting to see. But I, I agree with Zach and I might even say, I feel like the timeline might be sooner. Um, but I don't, I think Zach is probably right that we should take it slowly. I just don't know. You know, May 7th is what it is. You saw La Real was trying to practice two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, and there, I suppose, in some ways, and we can get into this more, they may be, you know, one of our comparables. Um, right. You know, they, they need to get these games played to be able to support um, their, you know, the, the kind of payroll and things they take on being in a second tier market. Right. Well, and also worth noting, you were talking about, it might be on a sooner timeline. Um, the bonus league has already started training in uh, five man sessions. So they're already their team. Every team in their league is already doing work. They just aren't doing work with the whole squad there at once. So it might well be sooner than we think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, working off of May 9th, right. You'd have to think, two or three weeks of training are required. Yep. You wouldn't think it's just going to start May 10th, but I could see by mid-June trying to trying to get, you know, the games in so that they're done, say, by the end of July. Right, because if you could... I, I, you could be done before August. I think that's going to be preferable to allow for whatever the heck the world of transfers is going to look like. Right. And the other, the other issue, I think, I mean, of course we don't, I mean, the, the calendar could change, but usually 
the don't the Europa League and Champions League they start to involve La Liga teams in the qualifying rounds in August sometime. Yeah, yep. it's very well, early. And the champ- Champions League final was set also, I think, for August. But also another just climatic consideration, it's like 45 degrees in Sevilla in yeah. August. So <laughs> you really, you know, unless you're going to play at midnight, you really can't be playing games outdoors in August. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You, you There are... There are a lot of issues here, and I have to say that all of it still <laughs> comes back to the fact that Rubiales and Tebas can't stand each other. So all of this has to go through the the um, Spanish FA La Liga um, arguments, where as soon as one side says, well, we can do this, the other side says, well, no, you can't. <laughs> um and, you know, so who knows how it will play out. But it does seem like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, the the numbers from Spain are better, but at the same time, you have to be careful on how you do things. I, I'm i kind of like you, though, Sid. I, I feel like I keep remembering those, um, the videos of the Valencia fans standing outside um, masked to, masked, not masked, masked to um, support their team as they went in to play a game that was behind closed doors. I don't know how you're how well you're going to be able to control the population. And there's also the issue that in Spain, a lot of people don't have TVs, so they go to the bar to watch games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so that that of, of all the things and I, I just hate the concept. I don't think there is such a thing as football without fans, but if we are talking about public health, that's the only reason that, you know, what Major League Baseball or the NBA are talking about, about putting everybody in one city and Mm -hmm. therefore you don't have the allure that all of a sudden every team's fans are going to try and show up um, and, and, you know, attend games that maybe maybe something of that nature where you put everybody in a central place and you could make it a more isolated place if you will mm. uh yeah i don't i don't think anybody's had that idea at the la liga level um but it's at least a thought from the sort of public endangerment of people uh and reducing those risks Actually, I did see something really early on where somebody, and I can't remember who it was, was suggesting that maybe what we should do is play all the La Liga games in Las Palmas. You know, fly everybody to the Canary Islands and, <laughs> and base them there, but I don't, I don't know how serious that was. Uh, uh, jo- joking aside, the best city to do that in would be, uh, Sevilla because they've got, um, they've got Betis Stadium, they've got Sevilla Stadium, and then they've also got the Cartuga, which is supposed to host the next four Copa del Reyes. And yep. that would be a city that could actually get it all done. Apart from the fact that you'd have to play at midnight, as it's there. But, but then in Spain, right. you stay up late anyway. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, any, any other thoughts on, on this before we move on? I think it's safe to say we're not going to base everybody in, in Villarreal or Castellon. We don't have the, <laughs> we got one hotel in Villarreal, right? So I don't think we're going to do that. And one stadium. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about Mexico. I think it'll be a very interesting thing 
uh, you know, for U.S. purposes, because the, you know, if if we were to say people look down on U.S. soccer, I think that is one of the significant reasons is people <laughs> who are fans of international soccer say, well, okay, you had a bad season, so what? You're there the next year. It's not yep. the same kind of consequence. Right. So it'll be interesting if sort of Mexico goes and does this and people say, yeah, we kind of, we kind of like the fact that we know our season tickets renew next year. Um, and, uh, and, and they get comfortable having one of these more permanent sorts of leagues. Well, the other thing with Mexico though is they've had teams, but like what's happened a lot in Mexico over the last few years is a team from the second division will get promoted. And then they'll sell their first tier license to one of the teams that got relegated. So it ends up being not as much promotion relegation over there to begin with. Yeah, part of the part of the issue with Mexico, as we, you know, I think it's actually a, one of those cases where the league is much better in terms of playing quality than it gets credit for because it's so mismanaged. Right. And that's you know, I mean, that's that's certainly true. I mean, it's it's a good league to look for. The players in, I think, for that reason. But um, sounds sounds somewhat suspiciously like La Liga. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose it does. So, um, okay, let's move on to our second topic, which um, sort of follows on from our discussion um, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about okay, so is the problem with Virial? the problem, i.e. that we're not in the European qualifying places, is that a function of our roster? How do we compare talent-wise and whatever to Valencia and Sevilla? And I don't know. Sid, I'm going to let you... Well, no, I let... Did I, who did I let go first the last time? I went first last time. Okay, well, I'll let Sid go first this time. So, Sid, you've had two weeks to think about this. What do you think? Make your case for whatever you want here. I, <laughs> I think Zach has taken advantage of his two weeks perhaps better than I have. So I'm, I'm going to have to <laughs> wing it a little bit. But I think, you know, the, the crux of, of what, what I was getting at and sort of what we've talked about, who are we, what league are we in? Um, again, Barcelona, Madrid, different galaxy you know uh, atletico closer to the periphery of that galaxy than they are to anybody else and then you get into the question of okay where are we um and we can all say that teams like athletic bilbao la real um are are comparable sort of economically um profile wise perhaps Again, athletic, a little bit different of a case as, as Zach has, has noted, I think quite fairly. So yep. maybe La Real is, is the best comparable. But then you have Valencia and Sevilla. Um, and again, Spain is actually a little bit interesting of a country in that you have these three cities. I suppose, I believe Sevilla is fourth. Um, but really, you know, Barcelona, Madrid, Valencia are decently larger than other cities. I think Sevilla, because of metropolitan area, gets pulled in. Mm -hmm. um, and then budget-wise, they are significantly ahead of us. 
Um, so are are we are we in that same league? And you know, I think as a point of argument, people also will talk about okay, well, Sevilla seems to knock us out every single time we face them in whatever it may be. Yeah. Europe, yeah. Europe, the Copa for any number of years seemed to be every year that they would basically knock us out. Um, and then, you know, Valencia has knocked us out of the Europa League multiple times. Um, but yes. then if you look at the, until the past couple of years, year over year, you know, results in the table, I want to say there was about a 12-ish year stretch where I think we were ahead of Valencia at least as many times as they were. So I think it was it was a pretty even split. Um, and so the sort of looking at them as being big brother uh, maybe wasn't as, as true of a comparison based on the stats. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the, the crux of the discussion. And I think the, the biggest point I'd make, and, and Zach, you, I think, have, have given this greater thought on detail, but I think w- what we were getting at was, in addition to the fact that I think we all can admit our manager is, you know, is, is a cut below where sort of we, we would like, um, the development of actually bringing Cantera players into the first team and, you know, having them be a part of our squad and really grow the squad that way is just something that we have failed to do, despite the fact I think we would say our Cantera is as talented or close to as talented as those of the other two clubs. And for me, sort of, that that's the failing where I would say, you know, I feel like on a lot of other dimensions, we are close, but that inability to really, you know, get players established in the first team is holding us back from being on the same level as those two other clubs. Okay. Zach. All right. So the, the, a few things here. One, uh, we've already, comparing them this season, we've already beaten Sevilla on the road. We still have Sevilla and Valencia both supposed to come to our house. Um, I know you mentioned a couple other clubs. I think we're more talented than Hitafe. They just have a much better manager than we do. And the guy who makes it all go for La Real this year uh, belongs to Real Madrid, so it's kind of hard to compare. You know, when their very best player could be gone next year or the year after, it's kind of hard to compare there. But comparing the Sevilla and Valencia, all right. Um, when you let look me, at let the, me jump in with one. Let me jump in with one thing though. We did have situations like that with Denis Suarez and with Terry Shev. Yeah. So, okay. Well, but they weren't as critical to the to to La Real, to our team as as uh, Odegaard is to La Real, I think. Uh, perhaps though, I think you would say there was a season where Terry Shev was our best player. There was a season when Denis Suarez was our best player. And those those were seasons we did relatively well. I, I would just say, from a broader perspective, we have utilized that model before. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Okay. But uh, so comparing comparing the rosters and how and how they divide up playing time. Okay. So in the top 
15 players in terms of minutes played on Sevilla. Are, are, are on Sevilla. Five out of the 15 are under, are age 25 or under. Uh, and Regulon is on loan. And then, uh, in the series doesn't count for that yet, but he's 25 as well. Okay. Valencia has five of their 15 players in their top 15 in minutes that are 25 or under. And we have five of 15 of our top, uh, five of our top 15 minutes played 25 or under. And that includes Zambo, who's on loan. Um, and, and we each have, uh, one player. We each have one lone player that we've relied on for over 500 minutes. When you compare, you talked about the Canteras. When you compare our, our Canteras via Real B is 20 points ahead of Valencia B and the same Segunda B group right now. Uh, Sevilla Atletico is 10th in their Segunda B group. Um, and so I, I, and then when you start looking at the other end of the roster, uh, the older players of their top 15 players, uh, in terms of minutes played, uh, Valencia, it, it, these are players that are 28 or older. Valencia has nine out of 15 and five of those guys are over 30. Sevilla has nine out of 15 that are 28 or over and seven of those guys are over 30. And Villarreal has, uh, eight out of 15 that are 28 or over and four of those guys are over 30. So in terms of, in terms of, how we break up age groups, I think we're we're operating in just as healthy a way as either of those club, club, clubs are. And the 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 gaping hole, I think, when you're talking about us producing players, um, is the fact that Rodri showed up as a 16 year old, and from the time he was 16 to the time he was 21, we turned him into a guy that Atletico didn't want, into a guy that Atletico wanted to pay 27 million for. And then he got snatched away from us. I mean, you drop him in the middle of our lineup, and I think it changes the whole narrative in terms of us developing players, us giving young guys chances. I think all that changes. Um, then I, so what I did was I went through the rosters and I just broke it down by position group. All right. So uh, I looked at goalkeepers. So, uh, Valencia has had kind of a split decision on their goalkeepers this year. They've had Sillison and Dominic, who have both played about half the time. Both those guys are giving Valencia uh, better performances than what we're getting from Asenjo. But we're getting much better performances from Asenjo than Sevilla's getting from uh, Vashlik this year. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're right in the middle of the pack between the three of them in terms of goalkeepers. Uh, defenders, here are the defenders that have played at least a thousand minutes for each club. Uh, Valencia's got five of them. They got Voss, Gabriel, Gaia, Garay, and Diacabi. Sevilla has, uh, four of them. Jesus Navas, Diego Carlos, Sergi Regulon is on loan, and Hulez, uh, Kunde. We've got Albiol, Pal Torres, Ruben Pena, Mario Gaspar, and Zavi Gantia. So as far as I'm concerned, in the defenders category, we've got the best center back available and we've got more depth at fullback than any, than any of the three teams. Like I, I think other teams, you know, at Valencia, you know, their first choice center back pairing might be slightly better than our first choice pairing as a whole, but we've got the best player on the board. And oh, by the way, he's a youth product. Uh, you look at midfielders. Um, okay, who have played on, over a thousand. Let me, let Go me, ahead. Let me jump in with one one thing. So depth at fullback is exactly what it's worth. 
I think we probably have the worst regular starting fullbacks. We just have a lot of mediocre ones. I don't think that's fair. I, I really don't think that's fair. I, I think that um, – I mean, I don't, I, I don't think – I don't think Daniel, any of our guys would start on either of those teams. You don't do you think, think – you think mean, Daniel Voss would start ahead of Mario Gaspar or Ruben Pena? Because I don't. Yeah, I, I think Pena is a – I I'd go with Pena in that in that situation to me. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't think we've seen it yet this year. I think by reputation last year, now obviously personally, it's been a very difficult season for him. So I I give him a pass on that front. But performance wise, I think the reason it's been such a musical chairs and okay, we're gonna play Mario at left back or right back or center back, is not because if Mario were giving the types of performances he was three years ago, there there wouldn't be any question. I don't think right now we know our number one left back or our number one right back. Well, I, well, I at least we at least we own our top options at both positions. Sevilla <laughs> Sevilla's starting a left back that's gonna be that's gonna be backing up Furlan Mindy next year. And, you know and they got Navas at right back, who's basically a, I mean, you know, he's he's a guy who's basically a right winger who is playing a right back, right? Now, Agreed. Now, that we've, we've been through that many rounds. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's not like I'm looking at, at I mean, I'm looking at Sevilla talent-wise and, and hearing him run off that back four, and I'm like, what the hell? You know, we're, we're better than that. Right, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm... I just don't see that Sevilla's got a lot there that um, that that we don't. It, it's interesting you mentioned Dominic, of course, for in the Valencia goalkeeper because he was a Villarreal product at one time, um, and I forget how far he was with the B team, wasn't he? And then he then he left. I can't remember. Yep. And yep. we've had tons of goalies that have made it exactly that far and then left. Well, that's and some I of them. The last one who came up and actually played for the A team was Juan Carlos. Right, but that was for the A team. But even then, he played for the A team when they were in the Segunda. We'd never really used him as a Primera. Yeah, I think he played some in the Copa maybe this yeah. season before. But he, yeah, he played that famous Copa match where we came back and beat Valencia four two. Ah, there you go. That's right. That's no. right. He, he also he also uh, had had his moments, if you will. So <laughs> he he was you know I I am always going to be a fan of Juan Carlos for his he was sort of the face of the promotion push in a lot of ways because he was the guy who would just go over there and celebrate with the fans and he would just. Yeah, you know, we're going to do this. So I'm always going to have a, uh, a fond spot for, for him. But man, you talk about a goalkeeper that you wanted to tie to his post sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was fun. He was fun. But, but okay. I, and, and I say that in part just because, okay, so I think we look at it, we say we haven't brought a keeper up to the A team in a decade. Right. But the thing is, um, you realize that we've had some players who made it at I mean, Diego Mourinho, Mourinho, Aitor. Oh, Aitor. I mean, we've... Ortola went back to Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yep. Okay. Anyway. But, I, but again, I, I think what we have in the goalkeeper position is fine though. Like it's not like we've, it's not like we failed to hold on to these guys and the result has been that we've got this gaping hole at goalkeeper. We've got a goalkeeper who's fine and frankly, yep. who's been at the club for six years. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. And, and, and some, some of what I'm saying, Zach, is not about results. Some of it is, is somewhat process oriented. Because cause well, on some level, right, in, in times like this where finances are tight and potentially tight for two or three years, if you could get, you know, a similar performance out of Mourinho, who you wouldn't have had to pay anything for, because we did pay for Asenho, we did pay for Andres, yeah. and, you know, he's five years younger, you know, financially, that's that's a, that's a good move. I think that that's part of my issue is, you know, some some of the replacement that we've been spending money on, I don't feel has been significantly better than what we had in house, and because they weren't getting opportunities, may have gone elsewhere. Okay. Yeah. But, All right. I think so, that makes sense. Okay. So you want to so move? Let's to, let's talk midfielders. Let's talk midfielders. Um. The Valencia's four, Valencia has four midfielders that have played at least a thousand minutes. Uh, Parejo, who's not as good as he used to be, uh, Cocolan, Soler, and Candogbia. Um, Sevilla has got four. They've played, uh, Fernando, Benega, uh, Jordan, and Oliver Torres. And we've got Ibora, Cazorla, Zambo and Trigueros. And, and I, I think it's worth noting, I mean, we, we know the issues we've got at holding midfielder, but it's worth noting that by any statistic, we've got the two best creative midfielders out of the entire pot. Yeah, I would have to say, I mean, I have, now admittedly, we're all sitting here having seen pretty much every Viral match and not all the others, but, you know, Trigueros and, uh, and Santi Cazorla, uh, definitely would be my top two. I mean, well, Benega, the stats back that up too. The, the, the key passes and the expected assists back that up too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Benega, no, so Solaire is a great player though. Solaire and that, yeah. and that list doesn't include Ferran, right? Or is he showing up up front? He's up front. Okay. He's up front. Okay. Um, I mean, I think, I think, and then, and then there's the other issue, which I'm just gonna. I don't want to get into the whole thing about this, but you know, you're looking at players over a thousand minutes and that also begs, that is a function in part of how the coach is using his roster. So, you know, but, but I, but I think it's probably as good a, a proxy as any for, for the quality of the well, team. But I, no, I and think that, what it does is, too, Alan, because why are we having the same number of players when we're not playing in Europe? Well, he's only looking at La Liga, yeah. I think. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, so it makes sense that that is also an explanation of the failure to rotate, because we only do have one competition. Yeah. At least the players in Sevilla who maybe are not on this list may be playing significantly in Europe. We don't well, have hold on though. Hold on. We we also played a lot more uh, Copa games than Sevilla did too, though. I mean. We played at least two or three extra Copa games that they didn't play, so there's there's some give and take there. Yeah, okay, but but yeah. but one but one leg this season, not two. Um, 
it's all it's also worth noting that Valencia fans like to tout Goncalo Guedes as this like great young prospect and he can't get on the field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so you talk about been hurt a lot too, but I mean you talk about process, they're not getting him on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, here's, I mean, we still got to go to the guys up front, I guess, but here's my thought about it as, as, as I think about it is that in a lot of ways, I feel as though our Cantera is doing more now than it did five years ago. I mean, we now have players who, um, are, you know, like Pal Torres, like Rodri, um, uh, who are, who are coming through and are shining stars. The problem is, is that we can't hold on to them. It's not so much that we necessarily, I mean, every team is going to have a limitation on how easily they can develop players. And I think, and I think for us, this is why being, when we were relegated, the one thing that still affects us is this, is our B team going down to the Segunda Bay. You know, if we if we had our B team back in the Segunda, we would be able to do a lot more development of these players who are not yet who are not the Rodri Powell can't miss types. But I feel like overall, where we, I suppose, have issues, but I think every team does, is like we were saying earlier. You know, you you look at that player and you're saying, okay, are you gonna you're gonna make the jump from B to promote them to the first team and have them sign a contract with a little more money and maybe loan them out somewhere for part of the season. That's where we have missed, I think, on a few players. Because you look historically at, at we were talking about the goalkeepers, but I look at some of the uh, back line people too who have gone elsewhere and had decent careers. I mean, that happens with every side. I don't, I mean, Valencia's problem is if, if somebody gets good, they have to sell them right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was going to say I think I think the, the attrition the attrition has been higher profile though for teams like Valencia and Sevilla. I mean, right there's the whole generation of that great Sevilla team that basically one by one by one got scavenged by various parts of Europe. Um, right. You know, Sergio Ramos, Dani Alves, and and on down the line. Um, but I think I think what what you were saying that was interesting to me, Alan, is this is again where I get into the process. You know, Miguelon and Dani Raba are at Huesca this year in the second division. I know Miguelon is getting minutes. I can't say I've followed Raba. Yeah, but, he he had some injuries, but I think he's getting minutes too. Yeah, but point is last year they were with the A team and actually again I thought Miguelone did quite well. Yeah they I, definitely weren't getting the minutes that they should have been. Why weren't they loaned last year to a Segunda team so that this year we could have seen if they were good enough to be playing for the A team. It's like that was just sort of like a year wasted for those guys when they were in development where they I think we all realized they needed more seasoning. So this year they're getting it, but they could have been assets this year. I, then then I, maybe you don't need to sign Alberto Moreno because you have I think it's worth pointing holding. out, though. I think it's worth pointing out, though, that as we compare these rosters, um, it is 
much easier for us to find the process issues with Villarreal because we're so deeply absorbed in everything going on with their club and their roster and everything else than it would be Sevilla and Valencia. Like I, I keep track of Sevilla and Valencia, but I don't know. I don't know guys on their B team and guys that, you know, the guy sitting on the end of their bench that why isn't that guy loaned out getting minutes somewhere else? Like I don't, I don't know those details. So I, 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 it's one thing to talk about Villarreal's process, but if it's, if it's in a broader conversation of, well, why can't we be more like Sevilla or Valencia? I don't think we know their process well enough to actually make that comparison. I, I, I think that's fair, but I think the other point that we discussed the last time is Villarreal has a smaller margin for error. Yeah. So you can be Valencia, you can have spent 40-some million on Guedes, and you can survive if he's hurt the whole season. You know, we are struggling here where our wingers that we thought were going to be dynamic, Chukweze and Ontiveros, are just not cutting it this year. So we have a very reduced bench to choose from to feel like we can actually get an impact that is reflective here of the fact we're not playing in Europe, but we still only have like 13, 14 players who are over the thousand minutes. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I interrupt real quick and just say, I forgot to take a break earlier, so we should do that and we can come back and talk about the forwards, but then I really want to get onto this third topic that you guys brought up. So we're going to take a slight break and then we'll come back. Okay. So by any token, I know you're going to, I know Zach is going to look at our forwards and and we're going to look at those and we're going to look really good compared to the other teams, right? I mean, this is our strength. This is what we've spent millions of euros on. I, I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about our forwards. Uh, Valencia's four forwards that have gotten over a thousand minutes in La Liga are Ferran Torres, Maxi Gomez, Rodrigo, and Gamero. And Gamero hasn't been very good in years. Rodrigo is a nine who doesn't score, um, and Maxi hasn't really been the same since he moved to Valencia. Um, then Sevilla's got a Campos. Uh, De Young, who has looked like a mistake ever since they bought him. Mm-hmm. And then they got in the series who isn't at a thousand minutes yet, but he's been playing that kind of pace of minutes since they bought him. Right. Um, and that's it. Those are the only forwards they have that have played a ton of minutes. Um, and then we have, uh, Gerard, Moy, Chiquese, and then Paco's been playing those kind of minutes since we signed him. And I, I think we've got the best combination of youth and talent out of any of the three teams by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what that bears out is what we've been saying all along is Sevilla's problem this year has been up front, that they've, they have looked like a team that is going to go as far as their forwards take them, I think. Um, yeah, I feel pretty good about our, about that roster too, which begs the question going back to the coaching. Um, I'm just, sort of mystified how Sevilla have been getting the results they've been getting, frankly, um, because I just don't think their roster is that good. And that's It's not. It's not. It's just Yulin Lopetegui is just that much better a manager than Javier Clay is. I mean, that's that's the only reason they're nine points ahead of us in La Liga. That's it. 
And and they have a defined style of play that they've generally been playing like for any number of years. I we disagree with we, you. I we disagree with decide, you. We couldn't even decide when we were talking last time, is our formation what we think it is? Like, is you that even cannot, our formation? But, but, but you cannot convince me that Unai Emery, Jorge Sampaoli, um, and Hulin, Yulin Lopetegui, and I'm forgetting a couple managers in there in between, you can't tell me they all play the same style because they don't. It's not a defined style of play. It's they got they have managers that actually know what they're doing, and we don't. Yeah, but I just, it's, I, it's a similar yeah, I think, style, though, I think. I mean, I, mean, I, do, I do think so. I, I think there's a Sevilla identity. I think so. Yeah, I think the Sevilla identity. Is, I think there is a Sevilla identity, and it's also a a Sevilla belief too. I, w- I would say. I mean, you look at those managers, and they're all. I mean, it's funny. I, I see I see mind's eye pictures of them on the touchline, right? I see Emery looking like he's directing an orchestra or something, going crazy. I see Sampioli in his in his warm up suit, and I see Lopetegui, you know, now. And yeah, those guys are all different, but the team on the pitch has a similar identity. They they really do. And part of it is that they've got they've got that they've got the players. Well, Navas has been kind of a constant, I guess. But you know, bombing down the wings, essentially putting crosses into the middle and finding a way to score a goal. And defensively, they're they're pretty much um, they pretty much suffocate you by boredom as far as i can tell well i mean hold on the lopetegui's lopetegui's like the one guy still trying to play tika taka in 2020 and he'll suffocate you by boredom like but he i mean his that that's not the high octane we're going to score four goals even though you might score three sevilla that we saw under sam Pauli. i mean under Sam Pally, I didn't think they were ever going to keep a clean sheet, they, but they were going to be flying at you and pressing really high. And, and Lopetegui's never run a press in his life. I, I, yeah. I, I think, I think there, there are cultural elements in Sevilla, in the front office especially, that, uh, stay consistent in terms of their buying and selling. But mm-hmm. managerially, I think they've shifted a lot over the years. Yeah, but if but if in if in the front office you've got a constant, you, you, I I I get that, but I also get the sense that culturally there is a there's a certain type of player that you look at as a Sevilla player or you look at as a as a Sevilla um, style of play. I think um, you and a lot of it comes down to the. To the front office, I think. I, I should point out that a lot of a lot of these players that we identify with Sevilla, they aren't Andalusian. They're they're guys that Sevilla bought, uh, mm-hmm. made them look really good for a few years, and then sold them on to somebody else. So it's not that it's not that Cantera process that that we want so bad at Villarreal. Well, I think Sevilla, I think that's where there's a difference because Sevilla have a much bigger fan base, and they have a much they have a much bigger. Um, I, I, I do think that where Virial struggles, so to speak, is that if you're trying to sell a, a player on coming to Virial versus Sevilla versus Valencia, it's an easier sell for those other two teams because it's just in appearances a bigger market. That's true. You know, 
And and I and I think Zach though I think the issue is I think we sort of feel like I I don't think we picked one or the other. So I think if we go back to Valencia, I think they have succeeded more in bringing the players through the Cantera. And I do think your point on managerial styles, I think the front office at Sevilla is doing it. I think managerially, Valencia has been more consistent. So I think Valencia has an identity as well. And I obviously it's not driven by the front office because it's been a disaster. Mm. But in spite of that, I think there's also a Valencia profile of player. And honestly, I think Jaume Costa is probably a, a decent example of a sort of Valencia style of player that you'd identify. And I think they've been consistent in how they've done it. And they know this year Soler and Ferran probably both leave. Mm-hmm. But their intent is not going to be to, you know, they may splash the money as they do. But I think the long-term goal is we want to bring three or four guys up and replace them from within. I'm just not sure sort of within these two different styles, I feel like we're somewhere in between. And I don't know that we've executed, you know, as well as either of them. Well, I mean, you say that, but I mean, I'm looking at these rosters and, and, and when I broke them down, I came to the same conclusion that I came to offhand. I think we have a better roster than either of those two clubs. And so, I mean, it, it, there are ways in which our process could be refined and could be improved. But at the end of the day, the issue, the reason why we're behind both these teams on the table is not talent. It, it, it's, it's tactics. And, and so to me, I, I, I just, I don't want to be, unfairly critical of our process when our process has delivered just as good, if not better, a roster than the other two places without spending nearly as much money. Yeah, I, well, we've, we've split, we've spent plenty of money. We haven't spent nearly as much as either of those two clubs have. On the transfer outlays for the top 11? I, 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 I mean, I mean, I, their record, their, their record arrivals, I mean, Valencia has has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven buys that would be our record arrival. Maybe eight or nine buys that would be our record arrival. Sevilla has one, two, three, at least three that would be our record arrival, and you know four or five more that are over twenty million. I mean, they're they're spending more money than we are. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think I I think that's I kind of yeah I kind of see that that we. We're sort of hamstrung in a sense by being between two chairs. I mean, we're not, we, you know, and we are, we are trying to compete with these teams and we, and we, in terms of talent on the roster, have done a good job assembling it. The, the problem with, with a Sevilla and a Valencia, I, I feel like, and maybe this is a function of today's economics and football and the, and the power of agents and players or whatnot. But it just feels like we have to make a lot of, for us to get a player, and we've seen this with, with players like Soldado, for example, or, or Cherishev, you know, to get them to play for us, they view it as kind of a lesser destination than Sevilla or Valencia. So we have to either, and we can't afford to pay as much as Sevilla or Valencia, so we have to make some sort of 
contract arrangement that results in us not getting as much money at the end of when, when they're transferred as we would like. I feel like Valencia and Sevilla historically and, and in terms of, of budget are, are still above us to the point where they've got a little more flexibility in what they can do. I mean, Sevilla can, can spend 20 million euros and not bat an eye. Valencia spends 20 or 30 and doesn't bat an eye because they know they've got the ability to transfer on a player for, for, they hold out for a higher price on the other end than we do for, you know, for 40 or 50 million where we would probably say, okay, yeah, it's a great deal for you. Go for 30. You know, that's, well, and, and that's, that's completely fair and that's completely accurate. But my thing is if we're, if we're accepting that that's true, and I think it is, um, and, and yet we still look at our roster and our roster's just as good as theirs, then we need to be measured in our criticisms of the process at Villarreal because something's being done right because we're not getting as much money coming back in. We're not able to spend as much money and yet we're still putting out a roster that's just as good, if not better. Okay. Sid, you got any last comments about that? I just, I, I mean, I think ultimately the question is always about results. Um, so we were looking at process to get results. I just, if, if I put it this way, this, this obviously sounds hindsight, but I think it's just a question to ask. If, you know, we're going to finish out of Europe two years in a row, which is a distinct possibility, um, you know, are, are is are Valencia and Sevilla the right comparables? Maybe, maybe I, we're just maybe we're just overvaluing where we think we are. Okay, well that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. I mean, but, I mean, I think but, it's but, very but, simple. I suppose just, that, that was the the conclusion of where I was getting, which is okay if we are saying we we really like our roster, and okay if we if if we. Take Zach's conclusion. Okay, well, maybe the process is what got us there. Then you know maybe we're overshooting the moon a little bit to uh, to to in in terms of what we think our comparables are. Maybe we just need to hire a manager who doesn't suck, and we won't have these problems. <laughs> okay, I, okay. Here's what I'm going to do because I think we're we're coming on for almost an hour. I'm going to stop it here. I think that's as, I think that everything puts it very well. I, um, let's stop it here and we're going to post this as part three and I'm going to stop because we want to talk about something else that's completely unrelated. And so I'm going to hold you guys on the line, stop this recording, start a new one, and then we'll make a part four. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So I'm going to do that if I can figure out how to do it. Okay, so for part three, this is Alan for, for Sid, for Zach. Um, it's been, it's been a great conversation and I hope and very thought provoking and we could go on for another two hours, but we're not going to. So, end of Virial.